Hey, I'm Jamie Neal, host of 360 Yourself. In 2014, I had a breakdown and was hospitalized. Too much work, too much anxiety, too much coffee, not enough self-care and not enough balance. In the hospital, laying over my thoughts, I had to rethink my entire life. The doctor said I was overworked and my body gave up. Now, I'm not gonna say it wasn't scary, but it was a turning point for me. From there, I started to rebuild myself reading hundreds of self-help books and questioning everything from why do we have triggers? What is ego? What is persistence and motivation? What is manifesting? And what is identity? Many years later, someone recommended that I start a podcast. I was always curious about how others lead their lives. And thus, 360 Yourself was born, interviewing incredible minds on how they understand themselves and how they utilize knowledge and awareness to set out into their space. 360 Yourself is a dedicated podcast meeting brilliant and curious minds and looking at the world around them. I speak to artists, musicians, sports athletes, authors, CEOs, and experts in human behaviors, released every Sunday at 12 o'clock. I ask questions about their mindset, journey, values, ethos, to fully understand how each of their minds work and process information. How can we become more aware of ourselves to grow to the ultimate person we know we can be? How do you 360 yourself to 360 the world around you? If you do enjoy our episodes that you're listening to and certain themes and topics ignite within you, please visit our Instagram page at 360 underscore yourself to tell us how you're growing and learning. Or you can email us jamie at 360yourself.co.uk. That's jamie at 360yourself.co.uk. And I'll read out every episode at the end stories and comments from you, the audience, the 360 years. Thank you, and remember to 360 yourself. Hey, Paul, how are you doing? Yeah, good, very good. Thanks, Jamie. Thanks for having me. No, thanks for coming on board. Um, I was, we were just saying you've been everywhere and everywhere, and, and that to get in a moment of your time is, is amazing because ah, you've, you've right. had a crazy, crazy uh, experience recently doing the Adele thing, which was, inc- yeah. oh my God. Like we will, we will delve into that because I mean that is a okay. sort of a monumental moment. But um, I, I just want to say thank you uh, for coming on. Uh, you are absolutely like smashing it across the board in terms of your work, and I mean it's so varied and it's so juicy. I'm I'm really really That's excited awesome. to know how you kind of navigated that space, and it was even planned. A lot a lot of the guests that we have on here. Um, they they just kind of fall into these opportunities and then they sort of run with it. Um, so I'm, I'm fascinated to know. So what I wanted to go is I want to take it back to where you trained. So you trained at Central St. Martin School of Art in London, which is a very, very amazing, prestigious, kind of sad that word, um, very um, elevated. Prestigious. Yeah, prestigious. <laughs> I'm like falling of my words. Um, um, amazing, amazing school, basically. And yeah. so... Tell me how that kind of from there going into filmmaking is because it's I believe it's mostly known for like art and design and stuff. It's actually like it's probably most famous for being a fashion college, but yeah. they do, um, you know, over the years, there's been many amazing artists come out of there doing a lot of sculpture and a lot of like 4D video work and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, when I went there, I, I wanted to do painting and they were like completely anti painting. Um, but really, to be honest with you, I, so I'd studied fine art, but the really the thing that I took away from it, it, it was kind of a strange college in that they, I think you sort of just go there to meet 
like-minded amazing people and be inspired by them we had some incredible tutors as well but the actual sort of teaching part of that college when I was there just wasn't really didn't really exist like it wasn't like you were tutored about technique or anything like that it was literally like just do your thing um but what was incredible and what I'm really really super grateful for for that college is if you study fine art it's you have to uh, go through a process of um learning about having absolute 100% conviction in your ideas and so if you are presenting uh some really conceptual piece of artwork that just looks like a pile of bricks or whatever it is you know some something like that um you're going to have to defend it and you're going to have to talk about it and make sure that you're not kind of ripped to shreds in a in a crib yeah. and i used to really enjoy that and and that's was an amazing thing to take away from studying there is like is is having a concept executing it and being able to completely kind of confidently uh, like defend it and sort of see it through because you know exactly every finite bit of what it should be like mm -hmm. and I and I I still do that today so that was a really incredibly valuable thing just that one single thing I would if you know to take away from that whole degree course was totally worth it and and, and obviously like meeting the incredible people and having a lot of fun along the way and making some cool stuff but um that was the most important bit it's it's interesting you say like that was the most important bit in terms of like the conviction of like concepts and ideas because again i think a lot in the the creative sector if you're one of these leaders who are leading like films and music videos or commercials whatever and it's your concept you have to be you have to deliver it and like if you're like creative director of a design label you are like guiding everyone under your vision and it's amazing that it, it doesn't need to be the context that is in like what you're studying it's just like it's just the skill set and I really like that that I think some we need to uh, we need to look at that in a way that it doesn't really matter where you what what you study you could study a philosophy or whatever it is it's actually the skill set that's actually doing that subject or within that school that you can yeah. take away and then put into anything in life totally yeah the application of it is just yeah what is it is anything and it, and I think also a lot of it is kind of having confidence in yourself and your ideas and yeah and and just general kind of conviction and, and yeah feeling like you can uh think on something and execute it and deliver it and, and often by the way it's it's often it sounds I, I don't want to sound like a total psycho it's often like in collaboration or along the way you are your those ideas are being improved and developed uh, with a team which often is now is kind of now what happens mm. um but but still exactly like you said yeah I think it, it definitely crosses um all kinds of borders in terms of how you can apply that to your life and practice and um yeah it's a it's a really good skill to have yeah the, I think the skill that I had to learn when I when I was coming up is like you have something in your head and it's about translating that exactly what it is in your head into the space and, and communicating that effectively. And I think a lot of people have that idea, but they just don't know how to, they see it so clearly in their mind, but they just, it, there's a real skill taking it out and put it in the space and translating it and the colors and the feels and the textures or whatever that is. And sometimes you get better over the years understanding what that vision is or what that concept is and how to implement it into the space. T totally. I had a really interesting, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to jump a load of probably a load of your questions, but I, I, my sort of first like, regular directing job was, was working with the prodigy. And up to that point, I'd kind of made completely my own stuff, like a total kind of 
auteur sort of sole author of all this you know music videos and um and pre and before that being at college and making artwork and um after I'd finished working with them that was my step into sort of um I'd worked in tv but I I, I wasn't working as a director and after I'd worked with the prodigy I started doing sort of bigger uh multi-cam kind of things where suddenly you don't have time to to edit it yourself anymore you can't shoot it yourself anymore and suddenly yeah it, exactly what you just said you you it, communication becomes a totally crucial mm. skill to have because suddenly you need to impart exactly your vision to a load of other people who might have completely different ideas of what that is and trying to find this language where you you kind of land on yes that's exactly how I see it and I'd love to do that and also being welcoming to their input as well so um it's a that for the first time that happened I remember just feeling really kind of uh it's a strange feeling being like that sort of slight loss of control and just trying to work out over the last 10 years of, of you know me doing that um still learning about how to get the best out of people and how to best communicate to people exactly what it is I'm trying to look for you know in a project so um yeah it's a it's a it's another kind of crucial skill yeah and Um, and you said you worked in tv before you then started doing directing music videos but obviously you're doing your own personal stuff what 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 was the sort of fascination going into obviously did fine art and then tv and then music was that sort of on the horizon in terms of like your vision like did you go okay i really love music i want to do something with music i don't know what it is yet yeah it was it was all of that, but then mixed in with a huge dollop of nepotism because uh, my my dad works in TV, and he <laughs> um, he was doing like he did a, a whole bunch of different stuff, but he would work in a lot of music. I was obsessed with music when I was at school and and was in a band and just like was a total music head. And um, so when I without going like like super far back, when I was about uh, I was fifteen, um, he was like do you want to go to the, do you want to come and work with me at the Brit Awards? Like, yeah, okay. And, um, and obviously I'd been in TV studios and, and I'd been around crews and stuff before. And it was always really exciting being in studios or being on set. Um, but that as a 15 year old, you know, when you're in super into Blur and Oasis and Pulp. And yeah, all they're all around you. Indie bands and everyone is there and everyone is drunk and having the best time. Like that is, that was it really. You're just like, okay, I want to do this forever. <laughs> this, is, this doesn't feel like work. Yeah. So, um, and then I, from there I did, I basically worked in TV and worked with a lot of, um, a lot of other directors and crews, but they were doing, uh, we did everything from Top Gear to, you know, uh, the lottery show and, um, oh man, I mean, just like a massive cross, cross section of different TV work. But, um, but the best ones were when we, went away to like Europe and and um and shot big concerts and so I worked with some amazing directors doing big multi-camera concerts and that was really like the start of a kind of like oh this I can see actually this is a total kind of um marriage of music and and film and I really like doing this live event thing I I, you know I feel like real energy from that and I I just I love going to gigs and I, I love that sort of spontaneity of it so yeah that was kind of it really in a real shorthand that was sort of uh that was the spark and is 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 there i don't know that many multi-camera like directors out there is there a low like it seems it seems like a very niche job in a way that 
some people go into the films, some people go to commercials, music videos and fashion stuff. And then you have people who actually film the concerts. But when I mean, that that can't have been a role like like maybe like in the 80s or so, because maybe there wasn't the technology in for camera work and stuff. So it maybe has evolved over the last maybe 15 years or so. Well, no, there's there's a director you might know called called David Mallet, and he yeah. did um, a load of uh, you know Bowie videos and Queen music videos. Like he's a total legend. He's still around. He's still working. He's a total hero of mine, and um, and also has been very generous over the years to me. And uh, like I, 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 at one point, was a kind of a cameraman for him on a few of his shows but while he was doing those music videos he was back in the day he was the one that seemed to be getting these enormous multi-camera concert films and and he still does do them he kind of he works a lot with acdc still now and uh oh, and, wow. um, and, and, and others i think but yeah he has these real long long relationships with these artists and um so yeah it's been a, it's been around but the weird thing i suppose with me is i i, I tend to do less like a lot of directors will kind of if you're a multicam director you do everything from chat shows to comedy stuff to awards and fashion whatever mm. um i do i've done a bit of fashion stuff and which i really love but music is really my but almost my sort of sole thing and i'm really lucky and it because it's quite a unique thing i think in in this yeah. industry and and I, you know I, I get asked to do other other bits but i try i try to keep the focus music because it's just my passion so um but I'm quite it is quite a unique position to be in and I'm, I feel really lucky that I can I can sort of you know pay the mortgage by <laughs> by working in in music and film it, like and and it it's still rolling you know what I mean it's kind of that thing I, I'm sure everyone has it where you're like at some point this bubble's gonna burst but um it's, 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 yeah, it's the, I mean, uh, the imposter so syndrome thing that the people say like yeah, oh totally. hey i've actually got made it this far but uh <laughs> there was there was actually I, I love this uh there's another podcast that talks to entrepreneurs and it was one guy i think i can't remember who it was now um it's this guy who's like a billionaire now and he said <laughs> even when the company was making millions he just couldn't spend any money because he thought it was just going to bust. He was just like, it's yeah, not right. going to happen. <laughs> and I think a lot of people go through that as well. I think it's it's too good to be true that I'm actually doing something that I love and I'm making money from it. And right, then, right. Uh, and then you, well, I, I, I only assume that you get to a certain point, maybe like 25 years in, where you're like, okay, maybe I feel like I've I've got my feet now settled. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I guess so. I thought I'd feel like that. I mean, this is like pretty much my sort of around this time is like it's kind of a 10 year anniversary for me and um i mean i i still feel exactly the same like well i'll just keep going hopefully i'll get a couple more big concerts next year and maybe uh, you know uh, obviously like the other stuff is really great and really fun too i think i just love directing and working in that environment and working with the people they're it's they're also brilliant and creative i feel lucky regardless but you know we're in complete competition winner territory if it's just big concerts and, and exciting events and whatever. That's the dream. So, yeah, I feel really super lucky still. And I have to I have to mention, right, so you just recently did the Adele one night only. I mean, that pressure, I mean, that's quite a big gig to get because we, <laughs> we're like, and it like, it's not like they or an artist hasn't like released something for for a while and they're quite big and but like Adele hasn't been in the scene for a long long time this is like her thing and it's a great kind of marketing in terms of 
going away behind the curtains for a long time, creating that suspense and then going, boom, I'm here. Um, So what was that like as well? Because obviously, (laughs) like, because obviously these artists, the concepts are just like, uh, they're sort of sometimes their bread bread and butter as well. So you also want to capture it in its fullest as well for audiences that can't be there in person as well, obviously, because we have COVID now. So then there's also this extra responsibility as well to really capture exactly what the feeling is if you were there. Yeah, the thing the thing is with her is, so I've, I've, um, I've known her since, we, we, we kind of first met at like six in the morning, sat on a curb in Brighton at the Great Escape Festival and a bunch of my friends were playing there and I think she was probably playing there. And, um, and we were just there after a club drunk, like, and, you know, chatting uh, with, with a bunch of like amazing people who are still kind of around on the scene and, and all kind of, you know, friends now um, at still. And so, um, I, and then I, I've, this was like my, uh, I think it was like my four, fourth thing I've done with her. I've, each album we've, we've done a little project together. So, so in terms of like it being, feeling pressure, it's, it's actually quite a weird one because I just feel, I would feel more pressure if it was an artist that I didn't have a relationship with and I didn't know, mm. because actually the pressure, the pressure for me, I feel really confident about the capture. I know what I'm doing and, and I, and I, you know, uh, like, yeah, I just feel pretty confident about it, to be honest. And uh, like it, I know, I know it inside out and I know the music inside out, but um, it's about wanting to do the best for the artist and, and serve yeah. the new music. And so if it's a, if it's a new artist that I haven't worked with, then you feel a bit of pressure because you're like, you're trying to work them out, trying to find out what they like and what they'll be receptive to and to get just the best show and to, to, to kind of capture the best version of them. Whereas because, because it's her, I kind of had a much a, a much greater kind of shorthand and so it felt um even though the pressure was insane and I'll, I'll talk more on it in a second that it, it it the actual for me it felt kind of like just meeting up with an old friend and we're getting to do this again and this is brilliant because you happen to be one of the greatest artists ever you know so um yeah it was amazing that that show was just insane though because uh it's obviously a big deal as you said it was like a, a big live um like a big live concert outside the Griffith Park Observatory. So it's overlooking LA in the Hollywood Hills. And um, you only get one go at it, but that's not uncommon for me. And so, yeah. you know, we, we, we're all good. And I just do a lot of homework and make sure we're prepped. But the mad thing on that one was when we were about a month out, they started looking at the forecast and they were kind of going, yes, yeah, uh, it's forecast rain that week, but I, uh, you know, it will probably pass. And then it, and then the next week went, and they were still looking at the forecast. Like, yeah, it's it's gone up to eighty percent rain on that day, and so everyone was just expecting it to go away because you you don't get rain in LA or rarely. I think it's like one day a month. Yeah, there was um, one on day last week October. it started raining. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so and I, and so like a week out, the forecast was just like Monday sun, Tuesday, uh, like everything was sun, 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 sun. And then on the shoot day that we had planned, which actually was a, was a Monday, it was rain and like and like thunderstorm type rain. Like, oh, my God. So I think our, our scheduled shoot was on the Monday and on Thursday before like you know three days three working days before four working days before they they were like okay we're going to pull it forward a day and that in a production point of view 
is insane. Like that just doesn't happen to to do that. It's such an enormous shift in your infrastructure, rigging, crewing, like everything, doing, moving it a day forward when you're that close out. But um, so that just put enormous pressure on because it meant we completely lost our rehearsal day. We completely lost like a load of lighting programming time and projection programming time and all of that. So I, I, I still feel, you know, like often some of the jobs I do, you're filming a festival and you actually do, you, you are presented with an artist you might not know, or you've done very, only a very small amount of homework on. And you might know, you might have learned the music, but you don't know too much about them and you just have to capture it and, and you go for it. So I didn't feel too bad about that because I sort of knew what to do and I felt good about it. And I knew how to film her and what I wanted to do and, and the, the approach that we wanted. Kind of like I said, like that kind of conviction of ideas, like, no, it's going to be like this. It, you know, creatively, we're going to do this. These are the values we want to do. This is how it should, this is what's going to make it good. So all of that was in place, but like for everyone else, and and for us not being able to rehearse, suddenly it's like just a huge added amount of pressure. So um, yeah, it was a tough one, but it was really fun. And it was a huge, with every show like that, I'm sure it's the same with you. Like when you do those projects, you finish, and there's an enormous sense of relief oh, once yeah. it's in the can. And 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 we certainly had that on this one. Yeah, it was it was really hairy, but um, really fun because of it, you know. Yeah, it's when you got those, yeah, those big, big jobs and just like you're holding your breath like every... <laughs> every yeah, step of yeah, the way yeah, exactly. and then you're like exactly oh and then someone pats you in the back like you did a really good job are you ready time i'm like oh, God, yeah yeah and <laughs> uh, give me give me a wine um but no <laughs> what, my question is also if the if the client or whoever is in charge why do they not give you like the extra day before as well for the pre for for pre-lighting and rehearsal as well oh obviously well, if that because was already... at that point yeah the reason is that at that point uh they just they couldn't they couldn't get it. They could, you know, the stage had, been, or had only just started to be built. Like there wasn't, because it's so much infrastructure. It's such a huge build. It was funny when we did it, I'd flown, I'd just, the, the day before I landed in LA to go on set for that, for the Adele show, I'd been in Seattle filming Coldplay. Um, and so we we landed in LA, went straight to the site and you kind of get dropped off at the, at the top of the hill at the Griffith Observatory. And and it as we were walking in, we were just like, holy fuck, this is big! Like it's just trailer after trailer and tent, huge tents everywhere. And I've, I've done a you know my fair share of big productions and um, you know uh, like yeah, where the scale of stuff you think, wow, oh, this is pretty good, and you kind of have a bit of uh, you know swagger as you walking onto set, thinking, fuck man, this is like a big film. But this was like. I've never I've never seen anything like it yeah it was in it was crazy so that was I mean it was really a, you know it just is a fun thing but all of that stuff had to just get placed there so they so and they and I think they really did think it wouldn't it just I really do think it, everyone thought it would just wouldn't rain because it's LA you know um but it didn't change and then what was amazing was uh, I stayed in a hotel and I could see the Hollywood Hills from the from the hotel and I could see the observatory and so the morning after I just kind of like opened the blind and looked out and it was like you couldn't see the Hollywood sign you couldn't see the observatory it was like completely in cloud and the guys that were up there were sending videos and it was just like I mean it would show the show wouldn't have happened at all you would they would have had to cancel it so it was like an amazing call from them and it was really vindicated by having all these videos of it being completely torrential rain and and you couldn't you could 
there was just zero visibility like it was amazing so yeah they made the right call but it was um yeah you know sometimes those things it, it kind of I don't necessarily enjoy that pressure but it adds a certain amount of uh you know excitement to the whole proceeding yeah I, I, I kind of like it. it I like I sort of like the if you get away with it which you know we luckily the teams that we're working with and all the crew on a job like that are just amazing you couldn't do you couldn't have shifted it uh like that without the best people having already been on this job you know what I mean so we were we were super lucky it's a bit like when we were working in Glastonbury this year I did this project in Glastonbury and um that was like fraught with like loads of rain problems and it was the intensity of the schedule was just so hardcore but luckily our the skill of the crew that are involved just kind of if you didn't know what you were doing, that, that kind of project would just completely crumble. But because everyone is so good, luckily, um, because you kind of, you know, it, it, it comes from the top from the top down, but you kind of pit, you kind of selecting all these great people to work with. Everyone just pulls it out the bag. And, and you know, it's it's a really satisfying thing when you move forward as a team like that and you can look once it's once it's done and it's good, you can look back really um happily and proudly at what you've achieved and not only what you've achieved but what you've achieved in the kind of face of adversity so you know mm. it's kind of it's in that way it's quite fun yeah I just it's one of those things isn't it like you because you I'm assuming you work pretty much with the same people in terms of your team because obviously once you build up those sort of relationships with like your your camera people your crew people you try to like keep the same people like some some directors always work with the same dps <clears> and the same, mu- <throat> same musical composers and i yeah. assume it's pretty much the same thing as well about, about building those sort of trusts and relationships yeah it is it's a it's a pool of people i mean the, and the difference is I, i'm really really super familiar with um with all the uk guys and and uh, and or like crews cam- camera operators male and female from from the uk and some in Europe, actually, and and I'm becoming more familiar with um, with US teams, and because sometimes the, the 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 size of the crews just shrink and grow so often, depending on what you're doing. So with with a project like Adele, there's 17 cameras all filming at the same time. So you like that's quite a lot of people to to get to know, and and, and you know not every job is 17 cameras. So. Um, in that respect, it's yeah, it's actually with with that with that time I, I was there, I felt like ah, when, you know, when you kind of have a camera meeting, and you're really familiar with everybody. That was probably the first time, like I think in the US, where I'd really felt like ah, I'm really familiar with these guys. I know that they're going to do a great job, and um, and it, and on the whole, to answer your question, yeah, it's like a, it is a lot of the same people. It's a, it's basically like a big pool of people, um. And they don't always stay the same. DOP changes, AD changes, um, editors, like on the whole are similar, but um, more and more increasingly recently having to get new people and the team, the team's slightly changing. So, um, yeah, but it, but it's it, it's really nice to have that shorthand with your team because, mm. um, again, you're just speaking the same language. They know what I like. I know what they're good at. And and together we can move forward in a, in a really effective way. Mm. Um that makes something really great, hopefully. Yeah. Well, one question I always love asking all my guests is what is the biggest challenge you've faced? It could be professionally or personally. Because I think a lot of time as artists or um, as people in general, um, our lives are some, some sort entwined 
professionally and personally. And so we feed a lot from our environment, socially, what we're learning, like life is so many ups and downs. Is there, is there any point in your life where you're like, oh, wow, this is, this is, this is difficult? I don't know. Like, I've had like a, a really odd couple of years, or oh, like everyone, I guess, with COVID. But before that, I think at the start of 2019, um, a friend of mine died. Basically, I had like a run of deaths, like loads. Yeah. Like my, my girlfriend's father and brother died within a week of each other. Um, yeah, two, two friends, uh, two other friends died. My father died last year. Um, and a, and a, like a couple, like, uh, like it just sort of kept on coming. And that yeah. is like a really kind of just was kind of felt a bit relentless for a little, for like a little while. Yeah. Um, you know, I guess in, in COVID time, that probably isn't that uncommon and people are probably experiencing that quite a lot. But um, with me, it was like, you know, from suicide and cancer and old age and dementia and schizophrenia, it's just like a lot of stuff. So these last few years have been like challenging in that way in that, especially like my, I, I just, I turned 40 last year and had had a baby in the, uh, in 2019 as well. So there's all these things, that's, all these that's big quite overwhelming. Shifts. There's a <laughs> lot like, so, so, you know, like if you have a baby, you, you're kind of really sort of, uh, I think it makes you, I've, I've got two kids, but it kind of makes you hyper um, conscious of like, I want to be around for these guys. Yeah. And then also you turn 40 and you're like, oh Christ, I'm going to die soon. And then Ooh. everyone around you is starting to die. It kind of puts a little kind of, uh, yeah, you know, a little, p- puts that in your mindset a little bit. And so that was, you know, stuff like that is those sort of challenges where you're really in the trenches. I mean, my, you know, when, when my partner's father and brother died, it, that was so tough for her and t- and tough for all of us to go through and, you know, but it's, um, that's just, it's life, isn't it? And so same with, you know, when my father went, it's like, you, you, you just got to roll with it and try to be strong, try to be there for everyone um, and support, you know, like, you know, my, my mother and, you know, my sister, et cetera. So, uh, yeah. I don't, there's no kind of there's no other way really you just yeah. kind of gotta, that, gotta it's, keep it, on keeping it's on. a very overwhelming I mean I think most people feel quite overwhelmed by their surroundings at the moment whether it is someone's passing or they've lost their job or the pivot like it seems you are at the top of your game you have all this 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 these people passing that you love <laughs> And then you then bring someone new into the world as well with your family. And then you're also supporting your family, your, your partner's family and her. And I mean, how did you, how did, was it literally just day by day? Cause I think, I think what I'm, what I'm trying to get is that, is what were the tools? What was you, what was the self-talk you were talking through when you were going through this? And then someone had to ask you a a, a question about a job that you're like, I don't know if I can process this just at the moment. Yeah, uh, it was well. Yeah, it was quite. It was quite a weird one actually, because with the others, it, with the like my my dad's one obviously was a real. It, is of course the the I think for for me it was the biggest impactful one, and they were all just awful, particularly the the you know the suicides and stuff. But when my dad died, he died of cancer last year. But that was in like proper kind of COVID lockdown. So the tough thing about that was normally you could 
just throw yourself into like a you know you go out with your friends talk it through get drunk you know you can go do these sort of common social things that help with grief it's and distract. help with like, those sort of stressful situations yeah. and exactly totally and distract and same with work I think you know in, through those times actually work becomes a bit of kind of a solace where you're focusing on something else and you don't have to kind of think about that in those moments mm. but um yeah so when my when my dad went that is tough because uh not only is it your father and your hero in my case but it's um there there wasn't any work and you couldn't socialize with anyone so you're just taking it all on your shoulders and of course like my partner beth was amazing and whatever and we speak you know we weren't completely cut off with speaking to people every day on zoom but it's tough you know it's like hard it's a hard thing i realized like when when we kind of came out of that lockdown, I definitely felt that like relief of being able to go out and sort of get a bit loose because it was like a bit of a kind of release. Like I didn't, you didn't really have that up to that point. I did like a lot of, when he was sick, I was doing a lot of exercise and like really was taking these moments to sort of just focus, you know, if you're like running or cycling or whatever, mm. swimming, you, you can, you're not really thinking of anything else or maybe well maybe you are actually but well, you kind it's, of it's, maybe it's, it's a it's meditation. a way of processing it yeah, yeah it's, it, it is. It's, it's really meditative so and it's quite so in that sense quite healing so um I, I did do a lot of that but um yeah it's kind of it's weird that when the social side and the work side are, are removed from those because they are you you kind of take them for granted i mean you know it's obvious that the social part of it is is a, is a good supportive healing thing but um but yeah work can do that as well and and act as a distraction so yeah it was uh you know it's tough but it's tough for everyone everyone will experience that at some point that loss of a parent and um you know you've just gotta roll with it and he you know he would have wanted me to just roll with it i he'd think uh, the light life lessons from him were just to were, were about kind of you know resilience and 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 getting through stuff like that and so I felt pretty well prepared for it and um yeah you know grateful to him yeah it's and, and I, I assume because you're only 40 he was super young super young yeah he was yeah he was 72 yeah yeah it was it was too young like I mean you know that's a, not bad is it but it's when, not bad yeah I, but yeah whenever I, I keep seeing like you know uh, I don't know celebrity birthdays, and they're kind of like in the nineties or even eighties. I'm so jealous that he yeah, like was uh, it um uh, what's it called um the guy the the nature person what's his name um forgets me David Attenborough David Attenborough is like ninety eight or something or yeah something. right 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 yeah exactly so like <laughs> imagine yeah just kind of imagining another like all that all that time with him would have been amazing but there we go I'm just glad I was happy I'm really happy yeah. for the time does, I had does then I does then does then time shift for you in terms of like do you go because I, I I'd love to like jump into like your brain when you were like 21 22 in terms of do you because some people have this thing like so I sometimes have this thing going I have two polar opposites sometimes I go oh my god I've got so much time it's great I'm gonna join the process be slow and then there's this other part of me it's like time's really short oh my god people are like this and 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 also you feel so privileged and so grateful that you have a body that you can do stuff with and you and 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 mm-hmm. do you know what I mean so do you have yeah. that as that sort of shifted for you now like because I think that we obviously every they say every like four or five years we go through those sort of like oh I'm gonna sit back a bit and then like three years what is the and then you go and push and so it's just sort of like back and forth sort of thing have you, do you listen to the Adam Buxton podcast? No, I don't. 
there's there's he he once had did an episode and he was he interviewed this person and he and he did an impersonation the guy goes to him adam why are you so uptight about time and i think about that all the time because i am really uptight about time because i because i don't have a lot of it especially you know if you have kids and at like a quite a heavy work schedule uh and a partner and you're trying to spin a lot of plates and so you, suddenly time is really short and so yeah I'm I I like struggle I think I struggle with that like not kind of running out of time and not having enough time to do stuff when I was working with the prodigy so we're like this is pre-kids and like you know back in the in my sort of late 20s um I I could do I would get I would be so committed and so just into it that I was I would sort of start work at like when I got up at like eight and I would just love it and work through to you know nine or ten at night virtually every day and I've kind of figured that I could get in a, like a nine day week do you know what I mean and, and it was glorious because I just had I could just do it I, could, I, had the, I had the time I really wanted to do it I was really committed to it and I loved it and um but in that so you're kind of you're getting in like more t- you know you have you're having more time to to sort of polish stuff than most other people were willing to commit and then the work is really good and I kind of I'm you know I don't think that's probably terribly healthy because you should you've got to take some uh, some time for yourself I just really love doing that and and you know we were socializing as well very much so at that time but I I was just in really into it but you definitely had the time to really get stuck in um and these days it's it's less but I guess these days maybe the way in which I work is more efficient because I've done it and I know I know what exactly kind of what I need to do, how much of it I need to do better than I did then. So maybe it's just that you kind of learn as you go along how to manage that time a little bit. But yeah, I'm like probably anyone that knows me would say, I think I, I'm kind of like re- always really conscious. Like, I need to get to that next thing. Otherwise we're going to run out of time. And I'm, um, you know, all of that I hate being late. Love yeah. It. Well, I, I, I hate, I'm always early. I like to be on time or early. I don't like my, 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 uh, my partner, um they're always like we go to an event and then i want to be there like dead on seven o'clock and they're like no like 8 39 i'm like yeah, no right, it right. says seven let's get there at seven yeah i have that with with cinemas i'm like i'm gonna turn up late and miss all these adverts and trailers i'm just gonna get there for the film and then it'll be kind of 20 minutes out and i'll be like we've got to go we've got to go now we've got to go now we're gonna miss <laughs> start the film and then we get there and there's always another 15 minutes i just can't i literally can't do it i kind of test myself and then i can never quite do it stroll in as the you know the logos are going up at the start yeah yeah, yeah. I'm not I'm not a type of I like to be there seated I don't like, I don't like to rush I hate rushing exactly I like to have my <laughs> yeah, time exactly. I like to have my coffee like in the mornings I don't like yeah, to rush man. so when when you had children and you had such I mean you I'm assuming you're flying here then everywhere and you're pre-production mm. everything how did that shift your time as well because I know I was listening to like Ed Sheeran and he was like trying to get all the tours out the way so he could be more at home in the future when they turn a certain age is that right. also in your mind as well in terms of in the next couple of years or previous <clears throat> now in terms of how you manage your time with your family and your kids because obviously you want to see them grow up and stuff and i think if you travel yeah. it's not like you do like and you're not in the country like nine to five you're here and everywhere yeah. when i when i i had a a kid in the first in 2015 and in 2016 we were touring with um rolling stones and we did this big film in um south america we toured like 
through like six, seven countries. We were away for kind of, I think like six, seven weeks. And, um, and we were kind of coming back for a day here and there, but only because we chose to. It was a bit of a daft thing, like me and the producer both had young kids and we wanted to get back, but we could get back, have a day, super jet lag, and then fly all the way back to South America the next day. It was kind of like a crazy wow. idea when I look back on it. But after that, after that film, I really had to change my working practice because it was too much. And I realized it was like a first time where we really put, it was like a stress test on the whole family mm. and like, and having a kid and how much my partner could deal with and, and, and how much I missed them and how much they miss me and all that. And, and so we ended up flying. It was my, my son's first birthday. And so he, we flew my, my partner and a friend flew him out to, um, to Argentina where we were, we were in Buenos Aires filming them. And so I, we got, I got to see him, which was really amazing. And then they came to the show, the, the baby didn't, but, um, you know, just so that we, I didn't miss out on that. It's, it's horrifying missing those landmarks and, and I'm really conscious of it. And so we, you know, there's ways of making it work. And luckily with, you know, we were financially able to do that and stuff and, and you kind of make it work. But after that film, I'd made a really conscious decision that like that, the, the, not necessarily the, the proportion of time, but a, a project like that is so all consuming that it just needed in the future and, and mo moving forward after that just needed to manage a little bit better like how I was working and and how my work works as a father and your kind of responsibilities and duties and so you know it was a, wasn't a huge shift um but it but it just made me much more conscious of where I was at and what I needed to do to find that balance you know and yeah. that was a real, and you know, it, I'm glad that I sort of had to do that film. You couldn't have really made it any other way without jumping in with two feet. <clears throat> it's a massive rock documentary where you're away and it's the stones and, you know, you've got to give it absolutely everything, leave nothing left. Um, but um, but there are ways of, of time management where you can be a little more conscious of everybody else. So, yeah, since then, I've tried to be better with that and tried to find, you know, really like ring fence time to to be with family and stuff even though you know the, the projects are really fast moving and intense you it's it you can still put in the work but you just kind of got to you just manage the time better and make it more efficient that's what yeah. it is it's cuz like pink i think pink brings their daughters or their sons and daughters um on tour with them um, right, and I yeah. and I love that. I'm like, why not? And then so they're experiencing life together, not yeah, 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 come yeah. back. And I think that's quite nice as well. And you see that I was I was I assisted to my friend. I I went I went to the IV Asia in Chelsea a couple couple of weeks ago, and there was a guy. It was 11 p.m. at night. This strapping guy, six foot three, beautiful long hair, and he had this like like maybe like two week year old baby in his arms and a part of me goes why is the baby out at 11 p.m at night first of all but the second thing of all is i liked that it might not be every night but he decided that he wasn't going to allow the child to like dictate his schedule and his life and so instead of just staying at home and looking after for like forever which is my family that they didn't leave the house for like two years um he he facilitated and was like okay i'll bring it this night and then tomorrow you'll be back on schedule and i like that flexibility and i really really liked that when i saw that thing and also it was really cute as well and it's about i think it's about that flexibility isn't it like not being able not 
not not being able to do what you want to do in your schedule, but also how can we all do it together? So all experiencing it together. Yeah, exactly. There's ways of, you know, you can make everything work. It, it's just, you just got to kind of think about it and what, it, you know, it's just, I guess that's what being a parent is. It just takes a lot more planning to do anything and you can be a lot less spontaneous, but in your, in your uh, planning part of it, you can just be, it can, you can make it easy for yourself and, and you can work as hard as ever and you can do all the things you want to do, but you've just got to plan it. You know what I mean? It can be, it, that's the, I think that's the key one thing for me that, that I feel is sort of, um, you lose a bit of spontaneity. You can't just go on a city break on it. You know, you can't go on a Thursday. Ah, oh, you know what? Let's go to wherever tomorrow. Let's fly somewhere. Like, just have a great time. You can't do that anymore. And, and, or, and if you do, you just got to plan it a couple of weeks out. And it's it's all doable. Everything or, is there. Or you have a nanny. Just, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, here you go. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, um, but yeah, man. It's, you know, same. it's the same. You know, they, I'm not like a certainly not a unique case in this this is just like everyone's yeah general, this is this is why know, i want to ask you because it. i know people will be listening in to go like you're so busy and you're so at the top of your game but then you also have these responsibilities to your family and then a lot of people have that sort of struggle with time and balance with mm-hmm. career family when you get a new child how does that affect so as well i'm interested to know how you can imagine and it seems you're very self self-aware and have and have been becoming more self-aware over experiences that you go actually that's not the best that's not conducive that's not the best way of doing it yeah um, let's learn yeah, next yeah. time to be better yeah yeah to- totally I mean that's what life is isn't it it's just lessons and you and also that's like I wouldn't have known the outcome of that you know working that hard and how the the impact on me and the rest of the family because I'd never been in that situation before I'd never had a kid before yeah. I'd never gone on tour for that long before in one hit so you know it, you, it's just learning and that's life and it's i don't you know that's the exciting bit isn't it it's doing yeah. finding out things and is that and, song um, isn't it and learning that that's life that's right <laughs> <laughs> i mean i'm glad you sung up not me yeah no i don't mind making that ass of myself it's fine um so as i as we close the the episode which i which i don't really want to but i know it's uh it's important to make sure that we're in the time frame. Um, no, I no. love asking my guests uh, a give back question. What would you give back to our audience, even your younger self? Something's inspired you, maybe recently, maybe in the past. It could be a film, a documentary, art piece, quotes, a book, whatever it is. What would you give back? Well, I think that I feel like I've said these things before. So I don't know, I, like at some point in some interviews or some, you know, stuff I've said before but I think there are two things one is so the two key two really key things when I, and I, do, I try to um I try to do like a bit of mentoring and and speak to people if they're asking me questions I'll always answer you know like if, if people are trying to um get into the industry and and or do have an interest in doing what I do I'd like to try and take the time because people really took the time for me like a lot of directors that I know offered advice and I really love that and I and I, I'm really keen to give it back but what I often say to those people is is like you just got to make stuff like if you want to if you want to if or, or actually that probably only applies to directing specifically but the point was if you want to direct how do you get into directing like I just made stuff out of completely like the cheapest simplest 
shittiest cameras couldn't really edit like all of that but just made it and then each time it gets better each time you might show it to someone that gives you another opportunity and that's exactly what happened to me I, I, I like I had a really firm bedding in in tv and film but actually I just went out on a night out some friends of mine used to run this club night called frog um the Astoria and and I just filmed the last one they ever did I just went there with a fisheye lens and just filmed it like it was some kind of like like not I was gonna say jackass it wasn't like that it was like a kind of like a hectic fisheye a bit like um you know the smack my bitch up video people just getting pissed up stage yeah. diving throwing up like you know it's just chaos backstage and 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 everywhere else and when I when I was getting the job for the prodigy which was kind of like a big break for me <clears throat> I was really proudly showing them all these music videos and they were like if you kind of think just a bit more hectic like we're just a bit more like manic and I had that and I was like well look, I've got this thing but this isn't work this is like just me and my pals on a night out and I'd cut it to the ace of spades in a motorhead song and um and it was kind of like a mini music video really but it was just you know it was just all my friends like having a good time and I showed them and then I got the job and so it was like ridiculous like I just thought oh my god if I, why did I make that like what's the point in making that it was just for fun but I made it because I wanted to like, I wanted to sort of document their, that the final night of their club night because it was a real bastion of kind of indie music in, in the, at that time. But also it was just fun, you know, and, and I wanted to make a little thing and, and that opened doors. And, I, and so now I always think about that. It's just, just make stuff. And the other thing is this uh, friend of mine, Ben Newman, this incredible director, old flatmate. And um, he, uh, he, made this film with some Pixadors in um I think that's how you pronounce it. Picadors? Pixadors. Um who are like uh a certain type of um basically a certain type of kind of graffiti artists in um in in Rio and Sao Paulo, I think the main are mainly I'm sort of probably really butchering this culturally. I I've like slightly anyway the point of it is that one of them uh he made a film with them and uh and one of them just said the only way to push things forward is to risk something important and i just love that like i i just thought yes that is perfect it's perfect for what i do because you've got to take a risk in order to to try to change something and try to make it better mm. um but every job is crucial you can't fuck it up so um I just really love that and it's a bit like i guess it's a bit like he who dares wins but it's kind of i just really love that it, it, it was by this painter who was risking his life I think probably I don't know in the context of what it was said like you know was was crawling along bridges the outside of bridges to do these enormous murals um and and paintings but uh and I just love that uh, that mantra so that's something that I really think about a lot and I think that's a, a, a is a a quite inspiring thing if you're not quite sure which way to go if you're doing something creative and you feel confident enough to risk it, yeah. then it, you know, then that's the way to, to change the game and, yeah. uh, and to try to make something that is, is uh, progressive and interesting and, you know, which yeah. is the aim of the game, isn't it? Yeah. I, th th I believe that there's always a, an opportunity to create and there has been many, many conversations I've had and, and experiences that the personal projects generally the people that's what that's what people get interested in and 
there was one situation where an acquaintance was doing some personal projects, um, like crazy stuff with their body in the north. And then I found, and then suddenly, then someone from Kanye West's team booked them for this big live arena thing. And um, it was only because they were just milling around and doing their own personal stuff. And they saw that and they were like, that's exactly what I want. But my question is if they didn't do that personal thing and they, and they maybe couldn't have done that in a, like a commercial or like a music video, whatever, would they book the job? Probably not. Maybe. Mm. And it's just, it's, it's interesting how sometimes those personal projects sometimes will yeah. get you things. Cause like I've said, I've heard yeah. from many directors and, and art directors and creative directors that they've done this thing they shot and it was just like like a hundred quid or whatever and, and then suddenly it's really arty really individual really personal and then people that like really lend to that because it's authentic mm, yeah it could be so important i had another like another time i i filmed um like a great friend of my kid harpoon who's a who's now a enormous producer in la um at the time was a was a solo artist in london and i I'd filmed him a bunch of times because I just loved filming music. Again, it was just like the start of it, just like passionate about it and wanted to do it and make stuff and put it on. Like, this is like, like at that point, YouTube had probably only been around like a year or two. Um, but then he got signed to Excel and Adele got signed to Excel. And then yeah. I started working with Adele. You know, it's like, that's how it happens. You, you just have to, it's not, it, there's a, obviously an enormous element of luck, but you're making it, you're making the luck. Like you just make, like do it by creating something. It's going to be seen by someone or at least you can show it to someone. Mm. And it's an, it's a way of opening a door. It's a kind of a, a badly made skeleton key that you're trying to, <laughs> you're trying to fit in these locks and eventually one will, one will open. And, and um, uh, yeah, it's, it's just so important. So even if you think, oh, why am I doing this? Who is this? Who's even going to watch this? It's going to get like 10 views or whatever. You just never know where that's going to lead. And, and I, I think that that should be, I hope is like an inspiring thing to people if they're like, uh, like, do I, should I really be bothering to do this? Should I just be, should I just try and get another job? Or like, should I try and, you know, get a job at a kit house or, you know, just do running instead of making this or whatever it is. All those things are obviously super valid and really important. But if you want like, but just making stuff, if you're a creative person, it's so important because yeah, you just never know what it's going to lead to. Mm, indeed. Well, again, I want to say thank you so much for coming on 360 yourself. You have been 360. Thank you very much. <laughs> Great. Thanks, Jamie. Cheers. Thank you very much for taking the time to listen to our awesome guests. Please subscribe to our podcast to access all our amazing episodes. We're released every Sunday at 12 o'clock. We're available on all listening platforms, Spotify, Pocket Cast, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram for more discussions, education, and inspiration at 360 underscore yourself. The host, that's me, Jamie Neal, on Instagram at JamieNealJM. If you do enjoy our art episodes that you're listening to and certain themes and topics ignite within you, please email jamie at 360.co.uk and I'll read out at the end of each episode stories and comments from you, the audience, the 360ers. And remember to 360 yourself. <laughs>